Fallow community, it's December. Of course, you knew that already. I mean, you don't know what day it is, really, what day of the week, but you know it's December because you're working a ton on those Christmas services. And in case you needed a reminder, you know, our churches see the most visitors come through the doors for this particular service, the one that you're working so hard for. And some of them will really hear the message of Christmas for the first time and make one step closer to Christ as a result. And for some, you know, it'll be that step they need to get across the line of faith. And you don't need to be reminded that the stakes are high, but just as an encouragement that all this work that you're putting in is worth it. And don't forget that your family needs to know this as well. You know, they pay a higher price than most at Christmas time. And it's super helpful if you could cast vision to your family for why you're gone so much in December. You know, they're an integral part of helping those visitors to your church as much as anybody is. So make sure you take some time and talk with your family just about why daddy's gone so much or mommy for that matter. Anyway, if you're new to the Philo podcast, our goal is to help technical artists in the local church to become more effective so that our churches can become more effective. It's basically an extension of the Philo conference all the time. You know, our topics and our guests are chosen specifically to help us with this goal. So on this episode of the Philo podcast, I got the chance to visit Soul City Church, downtown Chicago, and chat with Chris Wheat. He's currently the operations director there, and he helped to manage their new building project that culminated earlier this year. And before it all started, Chris was the TD there. So you can imagine that there's a story to be told. Anyway, we're going to hear about it. So I'm going to stop blabbing and we'll get right to it. So I'm here with Chris Wheat. Welcome to the Philo Podcast. Thank you. It's good to be with you. Yeah. So Chris and I, uh, one of the things we talk about on the podcast sometimes is I'm thinking about when's the first time we met. I don't know. I feel like we've known about each other, but we didn't meet until last summer. That's right. I sort of invited myself over to Soul City just to see what was going on there. Yeah. Anyway, thanks for sitting down with us. Yeah. Thanks and, for asking me yeah. to be here. So why don't you tell us maybe a little bit about what you do here at Soul City Church and then maybe how you ended up. Yeah. So uh, my current title is Director of Operations. Okay. Been in that role for only about nine months since November. Okay. Prior to that, I was the technical director here okay. at Soul City for, I think, about three years as okay. a staff role. Okay. And prior to that, about three and a half years as a volunteer. Okay. All right. And what were you doing while you were a volunteer, assuming full-time job, doing something yeah. completely different? Yeah, so I was working for Renewed Vision, the makers of ProPresenter. Yeah, okay. Uh, so I was originally living in South Carolina. My wife and I kind of had a call to Chicago. Okay. And uh, so I started looking to leave my church job and found a job with Renewed Vision working remotely. Okay. That kind of freed us up to sure. move it wherever. Okay. And Chicago was that place. Okay. Uh, and I was able to kind of keep working for them. Okay. Full time. I was paying the bills. Sure. And then serving here, you know, about 15 to 25 hours a week. Okay. On, right. a, on a typical week in a time when the church didn't have any kind of technical staff. Sure. Okay. So I was it. I yeah, was it. You were it. Okay. And uh, so if we have any comments or questions about any pro presenter things, we could just yeah, email reach out to you. at renewedvision.com. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's your email address? Or was? <laughs> no. <Yeah. laughs> oh, that's funny. And so uh, you were working at a church then in South Carolina? Yeah, I was working a at a, yeah, it's, a, it's, an, it's now an Anglican church. It's oh, a church of, okay. um, uh, I would say about 3,000 people. Oh, wow. Average Sunday attendance is right around 1,000. Okay. You know, I mean, uh, that's pretty typical. And so it was a, a little bit more traditional, but... I was mostly doing audio. Okay. There were no moving lights, anything like that sure, at the time. Right. Mostly doing audio and website and IT kind of sure, support okay. for the church. 
full time okay. from my freshman year of college on. Okay, basically. And how did you end up there? Did you just kind of stumble into it? Yeah. Is it a church you grew up in? Or? Yeah, so it's actually a really neat story. I think it's a actually can be a really helpful story to technical <laughs> artists is I was 12 years old okay, and we had just moved to South Carolina. We, my parents were kind of shopping around for churches and we started kind of attending this church and a guy, a guy invited me to come up to the sound booth, okay. which was in a balcony. Sure. Yeah. Um, they had a old Yamaha mixing console. It was huge because sure. it was, you know, 48 channels. So right. Like a PM uh, 1000 or it was a, 5,000 uh, I, I can't remember, they, but yeah, uh, I mean, it was, it was very, very large uh-huh. and <laughs> to do not much. And, uh, and at 12, he had me start helping him. There were always two people up there. And so it was him and me at some weeks and someone okay. else and me. Uh-huh. And by, I want to say 14, 15, I had kind of taken over okay. that just through people leaving. It was kind of like people did things and then they left and sure. it was me that was left. Right, right. So it kind of it kind of morphed from from 12 years old through college right, okay. uh, into into really being a place for me to serve. Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah. It's interesting. Uh, when I was learning to run sound, I was same thing, was sitting with someone else and one week they just didn't show up. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh, I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I, yeah. I don't remember exactly, but I, that's kind of the the recollection I have is that uh, as as a twelve year old, I wasn't sitting there pushing somebody else out of the way. I think it right, really right. was a uh, we're here one week and then the next just had to figure out how to do it. Sure, yeah. And so that kind of that was where I I kind of had that love of of tech in church. Okay. Kind of start there, even in a a not huge tech church, but sure. you know, yeah, yeah, audio, and then yeah kind of through college, the church then employed me okay. in order to stay in town. Okay. Oh, um, wow. They offered me, they originally offered me to pay my tuition. Oh, wow. Which was in-state tuition at a not very expensive school. So sure. I opted actually to take a paycheck instead. Okay. And so I started working part-time and then full-time by the time I was done. Oh, wow. Done. Yeah. That's interesting. Pay your tuition. Yeah. Smart you know. people. I mean, yeah. that that is one of the challenges uh, that I notice in churches is that you, a lot of the best technical volunteers are kids, yes. middle school, high school kids. Yes. So you have a problem when they can't drive because you need them more often than they can they be can there. Get there. Yep. And then when they start driving, then they get busy doing other life things, but then they go to college. Right. <laughs> yes. You lose them. You, you lose them at them. college. And so I think that for the church, it was a, it was a great situation for all of us. I didn't actually have huge desire to go off to college somewhere else. Sure. Right. Okay. So, you know, it worked out really well kind of keep me there. It was a, an incredible foundation. I got to do, I got to do so many things, learn so many things right, in right. that, in that job Sure. that kind of then propelled me into, into a, the rest of. Sure. Yeah. And so how life. did you end up at Soul City? And so you moved to Chicago. So we moved to Chicago for Soul City. Oh, okay. All yeah. Right. We, um, you know, I started working for uh, Renewed Vision and through some connections in Atlanta, right. knew about Jarrett and Jeannie who were pastors right, at, right. working at North Point in Atlanta. And, just through some random random connections, random Twitter connections, was like, hey, this is a really interesting thing that they're starting in Chicago. Right. What would it look like if we just upped and moved to Chicago? So that's what we did. Sure, okay. We moved wow. here. Uh, we, we were up here a lot before the building was even opened, visiting here. And then I was up here on the launch weekend for the church. And then we ended up moving about six months after the church started. Okay. All right. Wow, very cool. Yeah. So at the church in South Carolina, you were doing 
more than just audio, yeah. but it was very yeah. simple. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, simple audio. We we had bulletins for the first few years awesome. that I was there, yeah. and then we, we installed were a video for printing those. I was not, <laughs> thankfully, but uh, then we installed a video system, and so then okay. you know my responsibilities grew from just audio to including some sure, of the video yeah. as well, and then you know then we had to add like an overflow room, so we're adding you know we're kind of adding technology throughout sure, the campus, right. and so I was learning how to implement systems, you know, in a distributed format throughout a whole sure. a whole campus. Nice. Um, and so there was, I mean, it was incredible learning, working, like working with computers, kind of the infrastructure as sure. well, just honestly figuring things out as I go, which is kind of the story of my life. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting because my story is real similar in the, when that person didn't show up, I had a tape deck yep. for recording yep. and one microphone. Yep. And then it was two mics and then it was a keyboard. And then, it, you know, it just kind of grew mm-hmm. as... And so I, I was able to grow with it yeah. to the same thing, video, I, lighting, yep. all that stuff. It just, uh, well, somebody's got to do this, and right. I guess it's the next yeah, thing. And, yeah, and I think especially for me, like events that happened every every year, Easter, Christmas, every year, I just wanted to improve it by the next year. So it was taking that time during the year to improve my skills sure. over over the course of the year. Right. And that that ultimately is just how I was able to build skills in in this area. Right. Good. Which is really interesting to think now because so your operations director here at Soul City, which is we were talking earlier, you know, part of it being a TD, you end up touching everything. You're yeah. involved in most everything. And yeah. so to expand to operations is almost some just the next step. I would say as a technical director, I didn't aspire to be an operations director. Yeah. But it is uh it's quite incredible how how well the tools that I was able to build over the years as a technical director right. fit into what I need to do as an operations sure, director. Yeah. Do you miss uh the sitting behind uh I don't miss all of being a technical director. <laughs> I miss I miss sitting behind a console. Sure. You yeah. know, I miss the I miss the audio. Uh, and I still have opportunities to do sure. that. But yeah, I think I, I miss that on a day-to-day. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So as part of uh, your role, so you were kind of you were here at Soul City, the TD, volunteer, then on staff, then part of the building program, I guess probably from just the initial conception even. Yeah, yeah. So we, you know, when, when we first moved here to the West Loop, when, when Soul City started here in the West Loop, we were given rent free this building that was twenty two thousand square feet for two years. Okay, and so we we used that. Uh, the auditorium in there sat about three hundred seventy five people. Right, right. Uh, after some expansion, originally it only had about two hundred. <laughs> we expanded some walls about three seventy five, but very quickly we knew that we were going to need to build something else. Right, and so we through a I mean a long process, we were able to acquire some land next door, which is where we're sitting right now. Right, and then start the design process. And so from a pretty early point I was involved in that design process. And how would you say being there from the early time to now, how much of the original idea actually came? Zero. Zero. I I mean, (laughs) you know, I guess, I guess if you, if you look at it and you say the original idea was to have a space that, that had more than 375 (laughs) seats, then yes, we accomplished that. (laughs) But but we went through so many different iterations. We went through so many different architects. We went through so many different designs before we landed on this one. Uh I mean, including things of... Can we just knock down all the walls on the second floor of of our old building and and use that? I mean, we, we did not always intend to even build... A whole new site here. Sure. Okay. So uh, yeah, zero. <laughs> yeah. It, we, it's uh, it's incredible to think how many horrible ideas we had before we got to this one. <laughs> okay. 
Yeah. And as a as the technical person and now the operations uh, person, even some of the things that you really felt like you desperately needed as the technical director, do you now see those as the operations person as yeah, that was really a luxury that we couldn't afford or to be able to see this doing this was more important than you know, can the roof support an LED screen right. or whatever the the issues yeah, I, yes and no. I think that I think that ultimately our our goal was to to create a similar environment that we had over in that right, other right. space, something really intimate. I mean, that room had 10-foot <laughs> ceilings. Sure. So it it was it was naturally very intimate and writing on the walls. Um and so I think what we wanted to do was create a a similar thing here and I think we accomplished Okay. We accomplished that. Uh-huh. Um and everything else I I don't know that at any point we we saw anything as more important than that. Sure, yeah. Uh, okay. The goal was how many how many people can we fit and still feel really intimate, right? And so I think all of the all of the pieces of that was what we saw as important before, and then think we accomplished okay. that. Now being in this space and knowing how big the lot is, I mean we're we're taking up most of it. Yeah. With this building, I mean, could you have gotten much bigger than eight hundred seats and? And then maybe would you want to? I right. guess is this yes and no. I think we we could have got bigger. We probably wouldn't be sitting in this. We room. wouldn't be sitting in this room, <laughs> yeah. which it is just exist. off the side of yeah. the auditorium. We couldn't have fit many more seats. Uh-huh. Uh, the lot we we built a little bit of parking on the lot that we could have expanded the building that way and maybe fit another hundred seats in here. Sure, right. But I don't think it would have been much more than that. Right. The size with the, we've got about 550 seats on the floor and then about 250 seats in the balcony. Okay. And that size fit really well. Okay. And also just with the, if we had expanded the auditorium, we would have had to have more bathrooms, more, you know, all of the other auxiliary things that come along with more seats. More seats, seats right. Yeah. Um, and I, so this was kind of the right fit. Right. You know, in the discussions of what's the ideal size for the intimacy we're trying to achieve, was that number bigger than eight hundred or yeah. smaller? I or? think uh, I think originally when we started, we kind of had a thousand as our right. kind of like our cap. Like sure. more than a thousand feels too big. A thousand was probably a little bit of the the aspiration. Sure, um, but eight hundred works really well. Sure, right. And how many services are you doing now? We have three. <laughs> <laughs> and how many did you have? In we the had three? four over there. So okay. we, we, we went from four to two when we moved in. Okay. Here. All right. And then very quickly, as soon as we, as soon as we opened this building, we had a giant spike in attendance. Sure. That was sustained for long enough that we knew that we needed to add a third service. Right. Right. So we're at three right now. Okay. Man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's something about, I remember working at a church where we're meeting in a high school, 750 seats, three services. Started overflow, 400 seats. And so, you know, jamming the people in. And I remember when we built our building, it was 1,200 seats or maybe 1,500. And everybody's like, oh man, it's going to be so great. Well, number one, we immediately filled up uh, on Sunday morning three services, let alone all the events that now are happening all week. (laughs) Where before we were like renting a building for one day. Yep. And then adding Saturday and yeah, just... Yeah, it was, uh, I don't want to say it was a shock. It was obviously our hope that we would continue to grow. Right. And we knew to a certain degree that that smaller auditorium was holding us back from from our potential growth. Sure, right. But we were very pleasantly surprised by how yeah. quickly that growth happened once we got into this space. Sure, yeah. it was It was pretty incredible. And what uh, when you think about the space and kind of sitting in the 375-seat auditorium where you know, you're all jammed in this tiny little booth, 
you know, with obstructed seating everywhere. Right. Was there one thing that you were so looking forward to with the new space that actually came true? Like, I can't wait for. Yeah. I mean, you know, from a technical perspective, our production booth was like you described, we had four people running what needed more than four people to run, okay. but that was the, <laughs> that was the number that we could fit. Right. Um, so there was a lot of automation. There was a lot, a lot that went into making <laughs> yeah. the service possible with only four people. Sure. Right. To a very large technical booth now. Right. Um, that, that holds easily eight, 10 comfortably. Okay. Um, with a separate video suite, you know? And so sure. I think that was, that was a dream yeah. that we had of being able to have room and to, spread out right have room to teach people that was sure. a, a big issue okay. was you know you can't have somebody in there learning from you <laughs> yeah there's not because room. there's not room for them right, right. you literally cannot fit a seat yeah. there to to do that yeah. so i think that was a huge thing that was holding us back right technically right. Uh-huh. That, that we were able to change and have you found that moving from the 375 to the 800 that just the the physical size required a larger team no matter what, the physical size would have required a larger team. We we didn't have cameras over there that were operated by people. They were all robotic. Okay. So um, automatically you had cameras, you need camera operators. Right, right. So automatically our, our technical needs grew because of the space. Sure. Um, and the, the equipment that, and what we were trying to do. Right. But yes, I mean, even just... If you set aside, if we were trying to do the same thing technically, this space, the added space just requires more people, sure, more eyes. It takes longer to move from one side of the room to another, right? So, yeah. so if you've got things that need to move on stage or off stage, it you need more people sure, than you right. may have before. Yeah, yeah. And did how did you prepare your teams for that? Was your team big enough to say, "Hey, we can we can make this work," and then hopefully now that we have more space, we can train people or yeah, I would say, how do we prepare our teams? I would say not well. Okay. <laughs> and, and that's that's me. That's That was my my role. And ultimately, uh-huh. you know, as you kind of, as we kind of mentioned earlier, I, I was transitioning from technical director to operations uh-huh. director. And I there were a lot of things in there, a lot of missed opportunities to really train our team sure, and grow right. our team. Because I was... I was leading this construction project and right. becoming the operations director. Yeah, and so our teams were not adequately prepared for this. Sure, move. It right. was infinitely harder than I think any of us expected. Right, right, yeah. I mean, I think the one thing that's interesting, especially in a church setting, when you have a building program, typically nobody's done one before. Right. The people on the team, right? They don't know how to do this. Right. Yeah, this was my and, first one. And you've also got a full time job. Right. And. Unfortunately, you'll probably never do another one. Right. You know, like, and so it's a huge uh, vacuum. Right. Uh, and then the other part of it is you, there are companies and architects and all this that have done these projects before, but they're not you. They don't know how you right. need the building to function. Right. And so, yeah, it's just, it's a very strange uh, dynamic. Yeah. Uh, because I think about my own self, I've been a part of four or five building projects. You know, and you know the first one was quite awful, and the set and I said I'm never doing these things again, and I'm always going to do this, and so the second one was better, but learn some more, and yep. but yeah, for the most part, most people are only doing one, right? And I think for me, the the shock was just in how complicated it was. I'm a systems person. Uh-huh. I was very organized yep. going into this. It, okay. I, I I was operating in what I think was peak organization. Oh, yeah, and okay. yet it was so much harder yeah. than than any of us anticipated. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, part of it is uh, doing services every weekend. You kind of, 
you develop a structure around it. And yeah, each service is different, but it's basically the same. Right. You go into a building program and there, I mean, all you got to do is look at the, the building drawings for electrical, for HVAC, for whatever else. And you got to, I have to make a comment on every outlet. Yeah, I mean, for me, the day that the contractor came to me and said, all right, I need to know how you want all of the keys done. And I was like, <laughs> I, I don't know. How do, we, how do you want the keys done? And, and I, had to, I had to put together how we wanted all sure. of the doors keyed. Yep. What keys opened what? And, and so, yes, it's, it's all of those little details. And you look at it and you go, oh, my gosh, there are so many. From where does this outlet go to how is this keyed to where are these lights? There's so many minute details. Sure, yeah. From your perspective, uh, coming from a TD to now, you know, kind of thinking about a bigger picture, is there anything that you wish you'd done differently as a TD now that you kind of have a bigger view as the operations person? Or do you feel like, yeah, you're pretty much nailing it and... I mean, there's always things. I don't want to say that we got things exactly right because right, I know right. on a on a weekly basis we know <laughs> yeah. that we know that we didn't. You know, I think that we made some we made some decisions to do a lot of things ourselves instead of hiring them sure, out, right, and right. that was great financially. It was uh, that was a killer on our team, right, right. from a perspective of of time yeah. um, uh, and uh, and and money. I mean, to a certain degree, I think we wouldn't have spent that much more to hire out right. some things that we did. Uh, yeah. You know. As a, as a technical director, I was planning out where do TVs and speakers go throughout the building. And we, yeah. we said, we're just going to install those ourselves. Yeah. And we did. And they're great. Right. But, but, it's, that's but that was a big time commitment. Right. And so I think looking at a lot of those things that early on in the process, you go, oh, we know how to do that. Right. And, and realizing that it, someone else is better suited for sure, that. Sure, right. It's one of the problems that I deal with personally is that as a TD, I'm pretty mediocre at pretty much everything. I can do everything but just not very well. Right, you're not the expert. But, at- but I know, oh, yeah, I could change the brakes on my car, totally. Right. Is that the best use of my time? And right. yeah, maybe not. Yeah, is there anything, uh, thinking about the, the new building, and you know, is there anything you would change like that just totally did not turn out how you thought it would? Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, we- Maybe one example. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think, oh gosh, there, there are so many. Let me ask you this. So there's- always things you you wish you could do differently or had more money for or whatever. Right. Is there something that you thought you would, like, we're totally, this is totally going to happen when we move into the new building. We're all, we're going to, we're built, we're designing this space mm-hmm. to do this thing. Mm-hmm. And you, and then you get into it and you just like realize ah, that doesn't really, yeah, that's not going to work. Right. Or, yeah. I mean, I guess like a, an example of that is uh, the office that we can hear the music coming from right now. <laughs> we originally designed that as uh, essentially a, a mixing room that would mix the, the online stream. Oh, right, okay. Um, so that it would be a separate console in there, separate operator, sure, okay. and and they would they would be mixing for the stream and online and recording and all yeah, of yeah. that. And we realized that we just didn't really need that. Okay. I mean, it's completely outfitted technically for sure, it. Sure, right. We didn't really need that. Okay. I think there's a lot of things like that that we maybe overplanned, sure, which isn't right. necessarily a bad yeah, thing. Yeah. We're equipped for a lot of things. But we had a we had very clear... Like this is this is how we're gonna do this. We're gonna mix this separately, and it's gonna be yeah. awesome. That just that isn't the case. Sure, right? Yeah. Um, we're using the board mix. Sure, online, right. and it's it's good. Yeah, yeah. You know, and um, so I think I think there are things like that. Absolutely. I mean, we've only been in this building for nine months. Okay. And we're already moving walls that yeah. that were just Perfect. built. Yeah. You know, right. you you get into the space and you very quickly realize 
this isn't exactly right. right We've right. moved doorways into rooms and out of rooms because we looked at the traffic flow sure, and we right. said, this this would be better. Yeah. Uh, so I think there's a there's a lot of that. There's a lot of little things. I, that takes up my day most days. Okay. Is hey, I, I wish we had done this. Is that possible? Right. It's a lot of little things on a really big scale. I don't want to sound like we got it all right. I would say that I'm pretty happy on right. a big scale. Yeah. I think we end up yeah moving doorways and moving little walls here and there. Right. But the auditorium functions really really well. Right. Oh, that's so great. Yeah. Talking about the the idea of we got it mostly right. Like we there's no big things on a macro level that were missed. Having been through several building programs, I know that value engineering is something that happens and you know, you have an idea and then you get the price back and you got to shrink the thing down. I mean, how is that process for you? And then even how how do you feel like you were served by th- just the act of re-looking at things. Yeah, I think I have a really interesting, <laughs> unique perspective on that. And that is, I was the technical director during sure. the VE portion. Okay. <laughs> and I was not involved. What? We weren't value engineering the technical systems at that time. I was okay. involved in the in the technical systems. Okay. But as far as the entire building, okay. we cut a good portion, probably 30% oh, wow. out in VE. And I wasn't involved at okay. that time. Okay. And then I started moving into the project manager role for the construction project and eventually the operations director. Right. And I was left with the decisions that had been made before. (laughs) And they were the right call. Sure. When you're looking at it on paper, they were the right call. Right. But when we start getting into things and even little things like the air conditioning in this room, we've got these fan units that are in the ceilings of all of these rooms. Those should have been located somewhere else, but in order to save money, they were located in here. And so they're, they're noisy. Sure. Our offices are noisy upstairs because all the fan units are actually in the office space (laughs) and there's not a drop ceiling. There's not a, any kind of enclosure for them. All of that was taken out in VE and it's now a problem for me to solve. Sure. And so I think there's a learning of really wanting to be involved in that. And obviously right. that, that was a job transition type thing. It wasn't sure. that I was excluded. It was that I wasn't needed in that at the time. Right, right, and now yeah. I am. But man, there are a lot of things I would have done differently with yeah. VE. Yeah. Yeah. The the air conditioning units is a is a prime one. Yeah. Our doors, we've got some wooden doors on exterior doors, so they're warping and stuff like okay, that. Interesting. There's there's a lot of a lot of little things sure. where you go, man, we we saved a little bit of money here, but uh-huh. it's now cost us more money right, because right. of what we saved. Yeah. And and I don't know the answer to that, right? When you're starting the project and you have a, a limited amount of money, there there are going to be things you have to cut. Right, right. But it's I I would encourage people to always be thinking of the person who's going to be in that role next. Right, right. Because that for me has been the biggest thing yeah. is is figuring out how to solve those those new issues. Yeah, one of the things I noticed in the first building project that I was a part of is just, I mean, you yeah, you do have to cut things out. And we made a decision, like, what can we add later? Yeah. And let's cut that out. Right. But what is a structural thing that will be here forever? Exactly. And that, that you know, I'm again using the example of the air conditioners. We're not moving these air conditioners. Yeah, right, right. So we're not going back and changing that. Right. Yeah, that yeah. is the way it is. But yeah, I think that I think that a large portion of it was was things that we can we can add later. Right, right. Uh, but I think that's a great outlook on it. Is yeah. how can how can this be a phase two? Yeah, because really the especially if it's your first building, or it's a bit. I mean, this is a huge addition to right. what you were 
in yeah. before. Yeah, it's like you just got to get in the door, right. and that's expensive. Yeah, and so how do we get in the door in a yeah. smart way? Yeah, and I would say you know getting in the door and that's expensive. I I would remind people this is I think my biggest takeaway from the whole thing is. It is expensive. It gets really expensive in the few months right before. Right, yeah. And, and there are so many unexpected expenses and, and so much unexpected labor. Right. And, and of your own time. Yeah. For me, that was a, a very tiring time. Yeah. Uh, long hours, 18-hour days. Yeah. Pushing, pushing, pushing to get into this building. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and so I think that, that was a place that I underestimated how difficult it was going to be. Right, right. And I would hope that nobody is ever in that exact place again. <laughs> yeah. The church I was a part of in Michigan, when we were building the very first one. My wife was pregnant and uh, my daughter was born in September. And I remember that it was crunch time for the building and we were doing a lot of the work ourselves. Yep. And so that whole, I did not do a great job with that whole process of having a child and all that stuff because of this new building. And you know what the sad part is? We didn't even open until Easter. Yeah. The, like the following, September. Yeah. yeah. So we were in the final push that lasted for yeah. six months. Yeah, I mean that was. <laughs> yeah. I mean that was my. I mean that's my. I, yeah. We haven't talked about this before. That's my identical story. We had a. We had a daughter in March, and we opened this building in November. Yeah. And oh so it was. It was eight months of being a new dad and trying to do that really well. Right. And also trying to execute this really well. Yeah. And I don't know that I did either really <laughs> yeah. well. Yeah. You know what? Now that I think about it, when my first. The son was born two years earlier. I decided to finish the basement after he was born. Yeah, it's like what kind of idiot? <laughs> I, I, I did not learn my lesson. Yeah. My wife did not. Uh, that's why our she, basement I'm still is still married. So. That's why our basement is still unfinished. Yeah. It's, <laughs> well, I'm just like I had all this time before we had a kid. Why didn't I finish the basement then? Right. Yeah. Instead of saying, "Hey, honey, can you take our baby somewhere else for napping so I can keep working?" Right. Like, what a stupid person. Yeah. Don't do oh, what well. I did. Yeah. So. So that's 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 been that's what I would say for this whole thing is don't do what I did. <laughs> I really I, I I really think we did so many things right. And from a from an end result, yeah, I feel really, really pleased. As someone but walking process, in the door, I feel like this is a home run. The process of, yeah. of the, the toll on on me, mm-hmm. you know, and, and on our teams was was hard. Yeah. Yeah. But again, like you said earlier, it was our first time. You yeah, know, and, and, and you, you've never done it before. You don't know what to expect. Right. And did you find that, okay, so hard on the team, totally understand it. I mean, I lived through that a few times. Did it bring you together in a good way or was it, is everybody still kind of grumbling about it or is it a badge of honor? Yeah, I think it, I think it brought people together. Yeah. Um, I mean, speaking for our staff, I uh-huh. think it definitely did. I have a, a difficult time speaking for like our technical teams uh-huh. because I, in the process was stepping out sure, of leadership right. of our technical team. So yeah. I'm not in a day-to-day with them anymore uh-huh. to know kind of how how that's going. Right. I feel like though there's a lot of unity in that team. Sure, yeah. And I think this process, and and I think this process and the process of what they had to do before right. really built a closeness. I mean, you were touching shoulders before in the other room. So you're close, you're physically close, you're in there together, you're doing four services together. It's close. And so I think you bring some of that into this space and there's there's better equipment, there's more space. Right. And you've had to go through the whole learning and growing process. I think it yeah. definitely builds some unity and some yeah. team. I mean, I think anytime you're a part of something that requires a big push and you're into something that's exciting, to be able to say, hey, I was a part of that. Yeah, yeah, it was hard, but 
and I'd be happy not not to do it again. Right. But. And I think the thing to look out for is that it it is. I, I don't. I'm, I'm not saying that we did this badly. I think we actually did it really well. But the thing to look out for is that it's really exciting when you open the building and your teams are really really excited. And then you get three, four months in. Right. How do you keep that same excitement? Right. I think our timeline probably aided that more than anything we did. We opened in November and then we had Christmas. And then yeah. only a few months later was Easter. Yeah. And so it was a it was a hard push through right, that right. time. But I, I could easily see if we had if we didn't have that exact timeline, it, the real excitement of opening the building and then a few months in, you know, people yeah. aren't as excited anymore. Right, right. And would you say, would you do it the same way? Would you would you involve your team doing as much as they did or some somewhere in between? Yeah, somewhere in between. Nothing and- I think, yes, I think the team being involved, what was really great for our team was just at rehearsals when we were, would have rehearsals in our other space while this building was being built, was walking over here every week just yeah, to get right. to see what was happening, yeah. to get to see the progress to be here the days that they hung the speaker arrays, you know, to really like to invite people into that process, even if it's not them in here hanging the speakers, sure. but to be a part of that and to see it happening and be here while the wire's being pulled and be able to like, to say, this is, this is why we're pulling this wire here. Right, right. It gives people an understanding from the beginning of how all of the systems work. And I think it makes it easier to be in that, in that role. Right, right. I, I think that that was really great. We exhausted people a little bit with trying to save money, you right. know, by yeah. by put, putting too much too much on people. Right. But I think that any opportunity you have to show them work being done and to create opportunities, but not to rely so heavily just on them. Right. Right. So back to me saying, you know, I, I know how to do a lot of things just okay, and so I end up doing them. So I've I've finished many basements uh, in uh, all the houses I've owned. And this year I had some work done in my garage. So I had some drywall work that needed to be done, which I can do. I know how to do that. Right. And But I was like, I don't think I have the time for it. So I'm going to hire a, some people to kind of get it done right. for me. And I was involved a couple in a couple spots. It was so much better because they're working on it eight hours a right. day, yep. every day. Yep. And I would only just do it at night, you right. know, after the kids are in bed or whatever. Yep. Uh, you know, and so just kind of stretching that example to your team, it's like they can only do it after they're done with work. With work. And they it, can't get enough done. And in the midst of any other serving that they're already doing. Like right. we still, like you said earlier, we still have Sunday doing coming services. every week. Yeah, right. And so there's something really valuable about them being involved. But uh, And so like in my garage project, I saved money by me being involved a couple spots but otherwise, I'm like, you guys are way the better professionals. at this. They're professionals. You have the time. You're going to do it better than me. Right. I mean, it's a little bit like this thing. You're only going to do one building uh, project, probably, right. that you're paying someone who's already gone through the pain of making bad choices about right. putting wooden doors on the exterior. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's the benefit. So they're saving you money by skipping steps that... That, yeah, exactly. That you would fall into. Yep. Because you don't know. Because you don't know. Exactly. Yeah, right. And and even, yeah, I mean, you know, there's there's costs of we didn't add outlets in places that we should have out should have right. added outlets. <laughs> yeah. And now we're paying more to have those put right. in. You know. So yeah, that's the thing. That's the the professionals are yeah. it, sometimes it is really worth it to have yeah. to have the people that and know. And part what of it doing. too is because you've not done it before, you don't know to trust to look for. how far to trust them. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You don't know how far to trust. And I, I would say for me, you know, I didn't know everything to look for. Right. I, yeah. Now I do. Yeah. I'm not everything. Of <laughs> right. course, not yeah. everything. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I now have a list of things that I will look for. Right. The next time that, that I do one of yeah. these. One thing though, I would say too, that, I, that struck me after the first time going through a building program was the, the idea of, I assumed that the architects and the electricians and the plumbers, they're professionals. They do this all the time. They know best. And so I would have questions that would come up in my mind during meetings or whatever. And I'm like, oh, they got it. I, I won't even bother. And then we'd get into it. I'm like, oh my gosh, sir, this thing that I was worried about is now happening right? the way it shouldn't. Yep. And I should have spoken up. Yeah. And so I would say, yes, it's important to you know have professionals and trust them, but it's also nobody uses the space like you do. Right. You know something they will never know. Yeah. And so I tell people now who are in building programs, if you have a question, bring it up because nobody understands this problem like you do. Right. And if we miss this. Yeah, I, I agree with that completely. I was I didn't know to, to ask the questions. Sure, yeah. And eventually I just started asking them. Yeah. And I mean, I found a problem one time where I was walking through a hallway and I would have hit my head on an air conditioning duct going through the hallway. <laughs> and I was like, surely this this isn't going to end up here. Of course, they know better than for yeah, this to end right. up here. A few days went by and it hadn't moved. And I finally asked the question and somebody looked at it and realized, oh yeah, that, that is how it was designed, but that's not going to work. Right. I, I, don't, <laughs> yeah. I don't know how that happened exactly, but yes, asking the questions. You've yeah. got like, they are professionals, but mistakes happen. Right. And well, sometimes I, they're doing things exactly to the plan and the plan is wrong. Right. I mean, the, there are so many things that can go wrong in a building program that I'm usually amazed that it goes up at all. Right. I mean, when you think about all the things that have to, like in this room that we're in, so many things have to be right. Yep. And so one or two things going wrong, that that's a still pretty, if we were in baseball, we'd be crushing it with the best batting average ever, you know? But uh, yeah, just, yeah, if you're in a building program, yeah. don't hesitate to ask the questions. Yeah, and I think I was over here in this building probably a few hours a day just walking around. And and I think that really helped me to visualize how we would use all the spaces once right. we got into it because it makes sense on paper, yeah. but you can really feel it when you walk into it. Right. But also that's how you start to catch things. Right. That's, as the project manager, being on site and walking around and seeing it, you go, wait a minute, that TV is not supposed to go there. So why is that box on the wall there? Right, right. And, and you can... That should be somebody else's job, it was my opinion, right? right? Somebody yeah. else should be catching that. Right. But, but to be the one to catch it, it, right. it can make a big difference in the, time, the timing. Because right. if I didn't catch that box on the wall and a few weeks the supervisor did, that's going to delay them majorly now because right. the drywall's already up or, or yeah, whatever yeah. it is. And so I think the, I, I would advise anybody who's involved to, to be involved. Right. Don't be scared off by... By believing that somebody else is a professional and so it's just all okay. Right. I mean, if you want to talk about saving money, like have the professionals do more, have your team do less. And if you're on site a couple hours catching those things, yeah. like it sounds small, but moving a box is so expensive. So expensive. After it's after the drywall's up or whatever. 
And so if you can catch it by walking around when yep. it's just a stud wall, right? That's going to make a huge difference. A huge difference in in cost and in time. Yeah, because yeah. it's all those, especially as you get to the later end of the project, it's all those time delays. Take down the drywall one day, wait for the electrician the next day. You know, you right. could have just lost a week in that room right. because of that that one, one mistake. Thing. Right. Crazy. Man. Well, hey, thanks for making time yeah. for us. If you are in Chicago and are looking for something amazing to see, I would stop by Soul City. I mean, it's right near the loop, easy to walk to. That's right. Not as easy to drive to, I discovered today. I <laughs> missed my train. And so... We do have parking now. Uh, yeah, though. I did. Well, I parked here and yeah, it's all, all yeah. I knew that when I was driving, like they've got parking, so I'm good. Uh, but yeah, Soul City, great place. Yeah, thanks for making yeah. time Thank for you. us. Thank you. Thanks for being here, Tom. Yeah. I had such a great time at Soul City getting to talk to Chris. And if you remember from a few episodes ago, Sarah Emerson, the creative pastor there, was some great people. And a few things I really loved about my conversation with Chris, just that story of him being entrusted as a middle schooler with the keys to the technology of the church. And this is so similar to my story and many others that I know who are technical artists in the local church now. And it made me wonder, you know, who is the next person at your church waiting to be trusted with the keys? Is there somebody that you could give a little more responsibility to and see what they do with it? Yeah, I just love that. And then just kind of talking about the moving into a new building, planning a new building, project managing a new building. Uh, there's so many things I loved about this. The first one was just kind of that the final version of the building was nothing like their original concept. Oh, that's so true. And I think just even that things get expensive the closer you get to opening. And even just kind of that the balance of doing all the work yourself versus hiring contractors to do it. You know, there's probably some happy medium there. And, you know, for most of us, we're not going to be doing more than one building program in our career. And yeah, I would just encourage you if you're in the middle one or getting ready to start one to maybe re-listen to some of this because this is all good stuff. And then, yeah, just that idea that it's really exciting to start something, but it's maybe a little more difficult to maintain the excitement for the teams. And I just loved, I know it was maybe a happy accident, but just loved how Chris and the team kind of worked through some of that. And then just for being a project manager, spending a lot of time on site during construction, seeing things and how they translate from drawing to reality. And just that idea of don't assume that someone else will catch what you see. I mean, if you see something, feel something, wonder about something, just don't be afraid to speak up. Anyway, all such good stuff. Okay, we got a few announcements before we end our episode. I know everybody loves announcements. This is usually in church when you get out your phone and start checking Facebook, but don't do that now because maybe you're driving and shouldn't do that. Let's call this a reminder, not an announcement. Just a reminder, we're excited that File 2019 will be at Willow Creek again this May. And we've been working on a few projects that we're super excited about, as well as making plans for breakout classes. We've got some oldies but goodies, but we're also working on some new breakout classes and new teachers and expanding the classes we're offering to include stuff like content creation, worship and music, and a few others too early to be named. And not only can you bring your pastors and worship leaders and creative types with you from your church, but we now have something for them to attend while you're learning about color temperature or assigning IP addresses to your audio consoles or whatever. Some of these classes might even be good for you to attend with them. So yeah, we're really excited about it. And we're still nailing all of it down, so we can't be too much more specific, but it's going to be good. And I know a lot of you are asking, really, what does Philo want for Christmas? I know it's on many of your 
hearts and minds. You've been praying about it. I know I've been thinking a lot about it. Anyway, you know what you can get us for Christmas here at Philo? We'd love a review on iTunes. You know, if you love this podcast, give us a review. And you know what the best part is? You don't have to wait in line at Target to buy it. And I guess the other good part is that it's free. You don't even have to buy it. You just have to go do it. And we promise it'll be the easiest gift you give this season. If you're looking for another gift to give, yeah, you can subscribe on iTunes and Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. We'd love to give you all the updates and new releases on episodes, so why don't you go ahead and subscribe? Also, don't forget, you can find us on social media, at Philo Community on Facebook and Instagram, and at Philo Conference on Twitter. And if you got feedback for us or ideas for future podcasts, shoot us an email, philopodcast at fusion.productions. There you go. Merry Christmas, everybody. Until next time. <laughs>